goal on the ERLC podcast is to help you think biblically about today's cultural issues. As we discuss important topics that matter to Southern Baptists, you might have additional questions. We'd love to hear from you. Please email us at erlcpodcast at erlc.com and let us know how you're processing the conversations featured on the podcast. And just a reminder, we want to make sure you're kept up to date about the important work the ERLC is doing on behalf of Southern Baptists. The best way to do that is by joining us at erlc.com backslash updates. Signing up for email updates allows you to hear directly from us about our work and the ways we're serving you on the issues that matter most to Southern Baptists. Become an email subscriber at erlc.com backslash updates. That's erlc.com backslash updates. Benjamin Watson is known to many as an accomplished NFL player, but more importantly, he's a child of God who is deeply committed to the gospel and its implications. He's particularly passionate about the value of all human life and the issue of racial unity. So at our ERLC National Conference, he gave a talk titled Pro-Life and Pro-Justice, showing how the two things are not opposed. We hope this message sheds new light on your understanding of both of these issues. It is a pleasure to be here with you all and to hear so many great speakers about this topic. Um, I'm honored, actually. And there's something that I would probably rather be doing right now, which would be playing football. But unfortunately, we got knocked out of the playoffs. Uh, actually, we didn't make the playoffs. So uh, my schedule freed up. So I figured, uh, w- what else should I do other than hang out with you all on this fine uh, Friday afternoon? <laughs> the word of the Lord says in Jeremiah chapter 9, Thus says the Lord, let not a wise man boast of his wisdom, and let not the mighty man boast of his might. Let not a rich man boast of his riches, but let him who boasts boast of this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who exercises loving kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth, for I delight in these things, declares the Lord. Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23 and 24. About two years ago, three years ago, Uh, I was playing for the New Orleans Saints, and I became a free agent and didn't know where we were going to go. When you hit free agency in the NFL, it's kind of this time of uncertainty because you don't quite know what team is going to pick you up, and it's always the team that you don't expect. And so I'm heading into free agency, and a phone call comes from the Baltimore Ravens right up the road. We take our family of five. Yes, five kids. Uh, They're all between the ages of eight and two. We had four kids in four and a half years, kind of a two-minute drill, and then uh, for all you football people, and then we waited a couple of years, had a timeout, then we had our baby, which is two. And so we moved the entire family up to Baltimore, and I remember getting to Baltimore, not knowing anybody, not quite knowing what to expect, knowing that this is football, but this is in a new place, a new area, uh, a new coaching staff, um, new teammates. And I remember reading this verse in Jeremiah, and my wife and I have always been people who tried to leave a place better than when we got there. However, that, that, that happens. We say, Lord, you've placed us in certain places on purpose. Nothing happens by accident. We spent time in Boston. We spent time in Cleveland. We spent time in New Orleans. We're now spending time now in Baltimore. And Lord, we know we're here on purpose. And how can we leave this place better? What's your reason for us being here? It's a question we all must ask ourselves. Why are we here? What's the reason God put you in the various cities that you're from? What's the reason God put you on the West Coast when you're an East Coast kind of girl? What's the reason God put you down South when you know you're a guy from Canada and you didn't even want to come to the United States? 
What's the reason God has you in Washington, D.C., of all places? What's the reason God had us in Baltimore? And I remember sitting down, and I was reading through the book of Jeremiah, and I hit this verse, and I said, Lord, I want to delight in the things that you delight in. In this verse in Jeremiah, it says God delights in three things, loving kindness, justice, and righteousness. He says, those things I delight in. I said, Lord, wherever we are, we want to delight in what you delight in. We want to be people who bring justice, who bring kindness, who live rightly, righteousness, that people know about you because of the things that we do and the way that we live our lives. So as we look in this, this pro-life arena, and I, I'm rather new to the pro-life thing. You know, I, I was having a conversation backstage, and uh, I, I came to the march last year. It was my first march. I, I enjoyed it. And then I started to realize over the course of the year that there's these two kind of sides when it comes to pro-life and pro-choice. And, and, and some people are in their corner over there, and other people are in their corner over there, and never the two shall meet, even though it's imperative that we do. And if we're not careful, we too will go into this tribal mentality, and pro-life will become more of a political stance than truly being about standing beside and standing for life from the womb all the way until we leave this earth. I want to stand for life in that way. This is more than politics. If this becomes about politics, then we lose the power of the gospel. If this becomes about politics, then it becomes more about us winning than about women and men and families being cared for and about women and men being an earthly um, picture of the way that Christ loves his church. If it becomes about politics, then what do we need God in in the first place? It's all about pointing the finger and saying, hey, we beat you in this race. Our candidate won. But God wants more for us than that. There's a reason why we are pro-life. And it's not just to win. It's because our hope is that that life, those lives affected by that life, come to know a Savior who can give them spiritual life. And so that's what we're about. That's what I want it to be about. A few years ago, if you can remember, um, in this idea of being pro-life and pro-justice, uh, I- I'm in a locker room with a lot of different guys. And we always like to say that a locker room is kind of like a-, a microcosm of society. You've got about 60 or so young guys. They're from ages 21 up until the old guy, 37. And uh, they're from all different backgrounds, different religions. Uh, some guys are atheists, profess atheists. Some guys are believers, some guys are poor, some guys are rich, you know, black, white, it's all in there. One of the things I really love about it is the fact that we're able to have conversations, real conversations with each other, political conversations. Maybe you see something on the news and you want to address it, but after that, we're able to come together and love each other because we have a relationship with each other. Sometimes it's important to have relationships with people that don't think like you. Sometimes it's important to have intentional relationships with people who are on the total opposite side from you. Because only then, when they know that you care about them, are you able to change their mind and then not be an affront to them. So the thing I love about football is that we, we, we can have these different ideas. And sometimes we, sometimes we get angry at each other, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but at the end of it, we understand that there's a love there for each other and because of their humanity. A few years ago, um, and really recently, there's been really these, these hot topic Uh, justice issues that have come up. These videos that we've seen, whether it be police citizen altercations where young black men have been killed by police officers. We've seen police officers be killed, especially in the city of Baltimore. There have been riots and protests. This idea of social justice has come up a lot. 
And as guys, we're trying to, to deal with this. And as believers, I think it's really important that we engage the culture from that way. Being pro-life does not mean you're not pro-justice. Being pro-life does not mean you're not pro-justice. We can be both. There's a little word called and. And never let the world determine what we can be and what we can stand for. This idea of justice emanates from God's character. In that verse in, in, in Jeremiah, it talks about God being a God of justice. And as believers, we want to be who God is. We want to identify and love the things that he loves. The one thing I really love about that is in the beginning of the verse, it says, not to let the wise man boast about his wisdom. Humility. One of the things we're lacking, from my perspective, in this life and justice uh, fight, so to speak, or, or argument, is humility. Pride comes before a fall. Pride is the wedge that drives between people. Pride prevents you from admitting your own faults and your own guilt. Pride prevents you from seeing where you're wrong. And pride prevents us as a community from giving the life of Christ to people who so desperately need it. We can't even hear from God when we, we are filled with pride. And when it comes to these issues, it's important that we are able to understand and hear from him what he wants us to be involved with. I've sat here with many of you and heard about the statistics about Syria and about Lebanon. I was in Lebanon not too long ago, a country of about 4 million people, which has a million and a half to 2 million refugees. It'd be kind of like 100 million people just showed up on our doorstep. Can you help us out? What will we do? And one thing I learned from them, from the Lebanese, is their graciousness. Now, it's not without problems, but I sat there and listened to a Syrian refugee family. I sat there and listened to them running over the hills with nothing on their backs, bleeding from being shot. And I said, you know what? This is a justice issue. My wife and I have had a chance to go overseas and, and go uh, support an organization called International Justice Mission. And what they do is they support uh, victims of sex trafficking, but also slavery. There are 40 million slaves in the world today. 14 million slaves in the world today. They're right here in the United States as well. This isn't something that just happens over there or something that happens here. We were able to go and see a field office in the Dominican Republic where there, there's 2 million children worldwide who are in the sexual exploitation industry. These children range from little babies that we were talking about all the way up until teenagers and, and young girls and even young men. They're forced to do horrific things simply for money, simply because they have nothing else. This is a justice issue that we as a pro-life community must address. We can't turn a blind eye when people are suffering. We can't turn a blind eye when we have resources to help people. So while being pro-life is about the womb and being pro-life is about supporting the unborn and protecting the vulnerable, my challenge to you is to see vulnerability in many different forms. There's more than one, one color of it. It comes in many shades. It comes in many flavors. And we as a community are able to address all of those. Domestically, one in three women will experience physical harm from a, a partner, an intimate partner. One in four men. There are women in this room who have been abused and are being abused right now, but they're silent. And their church, who professes to be pro-life, won't address the topic. And they say, why doesn't my life matter. 
We as a community can change that. In verse in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 17, Isaiah the prophet says, learn to do good, seek justice, correct oppression, bring justice to the fatherless, plead the widow's case. Over and over in scripture, we see where God challenges the people of Israel to be people who uh, protect widows, protect uh, the foreigners, protect the young and the vulnerable because they had no power in those societies. And it's the same way today. We can't stop and only think about one issue. That is not being true to the gospel. The gospel in its totality challenges us, each one of us, to in humility, ask God to show us places where we can make a difference. Ask him, and he'll tell you. Open yourself to different opportunities. A place like this is, I can think of no place better than a place like this to find where God is tugging, where the Spirit is tugging at your heart and saying, you know, I want you to get involved in this cause. And not just for the cause's sake. We get involved in these causes of justice because we have an eternal perspective. During the times, um, as I mentioned, my wife and I have, have, have made some trips and we, we do some things uh, in the Baltimore area as well uh, when it comes to education and when it comes to um, justice issues, when it comes to pro-life issues. And the reason is not simply for us to uh, um, be nice to people. The reason is because we understand that there's an end game. You know, sometimes I make, I make analogies about football because that's what I know. And when we go on a training camp, we're thinking about the chance to hold that Lombardi trophy. We go through the tough times. We go through the two-a-days. We go through um, me coming home and telling my wife I'm going to quit 1,500 times because it's too tough. We go through the pain and the injuries. Uh, we go through all those things, the ups and downs, the emotional times, because there's an end game there. And the end game is we want to have a chance to win a championship. There's only one team that was a championship, obviously. There's 31 other, other losers, basically. But we want to have a chance to do that. And we know if we put that work in, we may have a chance to hold that trophy. We have an eternal perspective. Right now, my challenge to all of us is for us to have an eternal perspective when it comes to being pro-life and being pro-justice. We're not simply doing these things because we want to check a box behind a certain candidate. We're not just doing this because our parents were pro-life. We're not just doing these things because the group in our, our, our youth group or the group in our church, this is what we believe. We're doing it because we want to win souls for Christ. That's the end game. So when Richard Stearns talks about going overseas and he talks about um, sitting with refugees, it's because he wants to show them the love of God right now in hopes that they will see this love of Christ and in turn, turn themselves to him and say, what must I do to be saved? That's why we do it. When we sit down with a young mother who is in crisis and the boyfriend has turned their back on her and her family is saying, you must do this because your life is going to change and we don't have the money. And when she has nowhere else to turn and we stand in the gap for her and hold her hand and say, we want to walk you through this. We do this for the baby, yes. We do this for her, yes. But we do this because we want to see her say, what must I do to be saved? And what we found um, every time we've done uh, anything in our communities is that the way you get to people's hearts usually 
is by first meeting their real needs, by meeting their needs for clothing, by meeting their needs for shelter, by meeting their needs for warmth and understanding, by meeting their needs for, for a, a companion, by meeting their needs to know that they are loved and they are worth it. Many people feel that nobody cares. By meeting that need, that need you show people the love of God. And in turn, our hope is that at one point, we'll not only see them now, but see them on the other side. Micah 7 and 8. With what shall I come to the Lord and bow myself before the God on high? Shall I come to him with burnt offerings, with yearling calves? Does the Lord take delight in thousands of rams, in 10,000 rivers of oil? Shall I present my firstborn by for my rebellious acts, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? This idea of justice occurs 200 times in the Old Testament. And what it usually points to is treating people equitably, repairing broken relationships to people and to structures. So the idea of justice is individual. You can enact justice for an individual. When they commit a crime, they have to do the time, right? Are you all awake? They do the time. Um, when, when something is wrong, you make it right for the person. But it's also about structures. It's also about correcting structural uh, uh, issues and injustice, structural racism or sexism, and correcting those things, standing for those things that are bigger than the individual. That's what justice is about. And God is a God of justice because of the fall. He has to be a God of justice. Because of the fall sent into the world, as you know, and we have inequities, we have people that take advantage of other people, we have sin, we have hatred, we have racism, we have all those things that have to be corrected individually as well as systemically. Righteousness. Now, righteousness and justice occur a lot of times together. For example, in, the, in that verse in Jeremiah, kindness, justice, and righteousness, they occur together. And the reason for that is that righteousness is right living. So you have the idea of justice, which is just and, and, and correcting structures and, and relationships that are wrong. You have the idea of righteousness, which talks about our relationship with each other as well as our relationship with God. So because of justice, we need to live rightly. We need to have righteousness to enact that justice. In a time of righteousness, we don't need justice, right? Because we are doing things the way that they should be done. So you have to have both. And so when it comes to justice, we need to be people that stand for justice. We need people that stand for righteousness. We need to look for ways, again, where as a pro-life community, we can expand our repertoire. Don't allow the world to confine us to what they want us to be. I had a conversation with a friend of mine, a really good friend of mine from high school. And we always have this back and forth when it comes to these life issues. And, you know, Planned Parenthood tweeted a, a, a picture the other day with Martin Luther King. It was the King holiday. We talked about it. I said something about, um, you know, life. He said something about justice and taking care of people after they're born. I said, you know what, man? We can do both. Why not? We can do both. We can stand for the unborn. We can stand for the vulnerable in that issue, and then we can turn around and care about people all the way through the life cycle. It doesn't have to be one or the other. And sometimes, and sometimes, I feel like we are forced into those two corners. So my challenge to you 
is simply the way I would challenge myself in that conversation. It's to be people who humbly come before God and say, God, what would you have me be a champion for? And for some of us, it's the unborn, and that's great. For some of us, it's sex, tra sex trafficking victims, and that's great. For some of us, it's racial injustice, and that's great. For some of us, it's all the above in various ways. Ask God where he would have you to pour into. Do like we did when we came here to Baltimore not knowing what we were doing. Reading Jeremiah and saying, Lord, you're a God of loving kindness, a God of justice, and a God of righteousness. Lord, I want to be about those things. Please help me as I discover where I can best use my talent, my time, and my treasure to honor you in all of these areas. God bless you. Thanks for listening to the ERLC podcast. To find more information about this topic, visit ERLC.com. And join us next week as we hear another message about racial unity as a gospel issue.